welcome to this week's Tuesday Timeout. You know, effective communication had come up numerous times with my husband over the past couple months, which led me to think that maybe it was something I should explore in a timeout episode. Maybe, just maybe you and your partner have been dealing with some of the same communication battles that me and my husband face regularly. I put a lot of thought into some great tips and strategies to change your perspective on communication with your spouse. But first, let's back up a bit and explore where this real problem may have started. So recent conversations have kind of stirred the notion that communication in my marriage is a struggle. If you've been following along with our Friday conversations, you may recall there was a recent episode called Circus Running. I'm going to play a clip from this conversation with my sister, Rochelle, that really just kind of sets up this timeout. I think just like communication, like, hey, what do you need right now in this situation? Do you like, what do you need help with right now? And that's one thing I've learned from you know we used to get in little fights about like well I shouldn't have to I shouldn't have to ask you you should just know you should just see that I'm struggling right now doing this and you should just get up and help me you should just see that the dishwasher is full and you should empty it right but I've learned that guys are not wired like that like you need to just ask them say hey can you go take the trash out can you go do this so now Joel has started to say, hey, do you have like a list? Like, what do you want me to accomplish today before you get home from work? And I just tell him and then it's done. But if I don't have anything, then it might not be done. And I've just learned to accept, like, if I want something done, I just need to ask. And I don't need to just expect like he should know what I need or what I would like him to do. You know, I feel like you should have been in my kitchen last week. (laughs) Maybe I was. This exact conversation went down in my kitchen because I still am in this phase of life where I feel like, okay, like you should know that like I emptied the, okay, this is me. I emptied the entire dishwasher and I was a little, little louder than normal with the plates because he was standing there on his phone and I was thinking, okay, like he's going to come help me. He's going to see that I am emptying the dishwasher. He's going to know that I need help. And I was louder with the plates purposely just so he would see like I was cleaning all the dishes. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. Look at at what I am doing and you are not helping me. And I got to the end of it and he's like, I said like, oh, like you watching something really good on your phone right now? Like you're not helping me? Like, don't you, like, you should just know I need help. I'm doing the dishes. And it led into one of those, well, why didn't you just say something? Why did you hold out until you were all done? And then now you say something when you're mad. No, I know. I'm telling you, it's a thing. It's a guy thing. They don't mean to do it. It's just the way they are. You just have to, babe, put your phone down and just help me empty the dishwasher. That would be so great. Thank you. Love you. (laughs) See, yeah. Like, I feel like sometimes I expect more and I should just lay it out nope no you can't expect more just expect less <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's always a bad so, thing to expect I I guess I guess he isn't a mind reader and even after nearly nine years of marriage I still need to clearly and intentionally communicate with my husband specifically about my needs and wants I'm still learning And you know, it wasn't just the dishwasher. Communication plays a huge part in the bedroom. And before you think I'm about to chat sex here, I'm not. I told my dad he should listen to this podcast episode, so we're definitely not talking about sex. I'm actually 
talking about our bedroom communication struggles that are probably the furthest thing from sexy time. Picture this, if you will. It's Saturday night. My husband and I are lying in bed and the baby monitor starts flashing rapidly as it senses movement. And within minutes, our toddler is yelling and screaming so loud that you would think there was a bear or a pack of wolves circling her bed. Of course, I'm up instantly. My mom brain is just so wired after nearly eight years of nighttime wakings to easily wake at the sound of one of my kids. I wipe my eyes, stumble to her room to see what's going on and attend to my daughter, Georgia. Once I get her settled again, I drift off to sleep. Not a half hour passes and our three-year-old Lennox needs help in the bathroom, followed by a hunt for a missing stuffy and a long discussion about the notion that 3 a.m. isn't time for cereal. Finally, she gets settled, lie back down, not much longer, in strolls my six-year-old Scarlett, who has a nosebleed and needs assistance. She clearly doesn't know how to move around quietly without waking up her three-year-old sister in the bed next to her. So again, begins the struggle to settle Lennox, the three-year-old, in the bed next to Scarlett. This continued. It was a cycle, and I got a total of maybe four hours of sleep. Thankfully, our son was not up, but it's pretty rare that he is up. After getting out of bed so many times, I, well, casually bumped into my husband on purpose in an effort to wake him up when I got back into bed. I decided to hint at the fact that I could really use some relief here. And so I said, you, you know, these kids will not settle tonight. George is crying again. I've already been up, been up most of the night. Like, how are you sleeping through all this? They were loud in our room even on many occasions tonight. He opens his eyes and says, oh, I'm so sorry, babe. I guess, I guess I better, I'm just better at tuning it out than you when I'm sleeping. He rolls over and is back asleep immediately. Now, at this point, I am just exhausted. I am on edge, but I pull myself out of the bed, deal with our daughter. I honestly lost track how many times I got out of bed, which led to me being extremely grumpy and barely functioning. Like, our kids came into our room before 6 o'clock. So here I am. I get up, make coffee, of course, because that's I drink more coffee than a Gilmore these days, And while I probably consumed half a pot of coffee before, my husband strolls out, looking mighty refreshed two hours later. I made a pretty pointed comment to him about how frustrated I was that he didn't help me with the kids last night. He, I mean, it's Sunday. He wasn't even going to work. He immediately responds to me. Did you ask me for help? You know, I would have helped you if you asked me, babe. And I said, Well, I woke you up to tell you how many times I've been up, express how tired I was. Yes, but did you tell me what you needed me to do or provide me with any sort of instructions? You just assumed I would know you needed me to step in. Now, it was after that comment that I realized I did it again. I was making assumptions of a man who thinks 110% different than I do. His brain is wired in such a way that... I can't, that if I need something, I need to directly and intentionally lay out exactly what it is that I need from him. You know, Henry Winkler once said that assumptions are the termites of relationships, and I would have to agree with this. After I examined how many assumptions that I make regularly with my spouse, 
they're definitely termite star relationship. You know, I spend a great deal of time now thinking about how my husband and I can improve the way that we communicate. I've come up with a few things that I think we can work on and maybe they translate to you. As a side note, some of these things can translate to any relationship. It doesn't have to be a spouse. This could be parents, friends, kids, coworkers, you name it. Just in different varieties, you can take these steps that I've got and just translate them into whatever capacity that you need. So the first thing that I have is don't come at me. So what I mean by this is you need to approach your partner strategically. The tone really sets up a conversation. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. We've all heard that. But for me, this plays a huge role in how I react to a statement or conversation started with my husband. So he could have a totally valid point, but if he approaches me the wrong way, I have no use for what he's saying, and I may take it totally wrong. A calm tone goes much further with me than an aggressive tone. It kind of feels like, in a sense, that you're coming at me, being aggressive, attacking me. I mentioned this to my husband recently when he asked if we could sit down and talk about budget. Money for us, like many couples, often leads to blow-ups or heated moments. It's a sore spot for so many people. In the past, he's taken a tone about budget conversations that kind of feel like he's coming at me in that sense, that it's aggressive, that it's pointed at me, that it's, you know, money things are more on me than him. Like it just kind of, he came at me unintentionally in this way. So this time around, when he wanted to talk about budget, he changed his approach towards the money conversation. It felt calm. It felt open. I responded so much better to him approaching me in this way. We sat down, we chatted money for probably 45 minutes. And at the end of it, I didn't feel like I needed time alone. I didn't feel like I needed to drive. I wasn't bitter with him. I didn't feel like he belittled me or made me angry. Tone is everything. Talk to me, not at me. So the second thing I find is super important is love language. So bullying, yelling, ugly name calling in the heat of the moment, go nowhere fast. We've all been in a situation where we've either been calling someone names or been called names. You immediately get your guard up and all efforts at effective open communication just go out the window. Speak to your spouse in peace and love. Just remember that we all love differently. That's important. Now, if you've never taken one of those love language quizzes or tests with your spouse or partner, I encourage you to do so. So I remember doing one with Brandon when we were driving somewhere, we were on a road trip and it really opened our eyes. It honestly, like knowing how your spouse's brain works in regards to their love language may, may change the way that you communicate with them. It may provide you with better ways to approach them. Be like Elsa. (laughs) Learn to let things go. Let it go after they are dealt with. I'm terrible for living in the past. I find myself in the heat of the moment bringing up all kinds of things. I almost, in a sense, have banked things for later fights. I don't know if you've ever done this, but you're like kind of saving things in the back of your mind in some messed up way. Like I feel like it gains me fight points or something. (laughs) So stupid. And it's an awful strategy. My husband informs me that there's a comedian that once talked about this very thing and referenced it as emotional terrorism. Well, I don't think that's a very nice term, but I mean, whatever you call it, it's extremely unhealthy and definitely a habit to steer away from in an effort to be more present with your spouse. Letting things go is so important and it goes hand in hand with picking your battles. Look at the big picture. Sometimes avoiding 
focusing your energy on silly little things that won't matter in 10 minutes. Before you start communicating with your spouse about nitpicky things, stop and think. Are these the best things that we need to really spend our time talking about? Really just take a second before you start talking. I find that's really helpful in those situations because I've brought up things that really got, you know, just weren't necessarily as important as I made them to be. But if I would have stopped to think about it, it would have avoided a huge blow up. The next point I have is keep no secrets, tell no lies. This age old phrase just may be something you need to think about. Like it's it's an old phrase, but it may be onto something regards to healthy communication. How can we expect to be effective at communicating with our spouse if we're hiding things? If you have to delete it, if you question whether or not it's appropriate, maybe back up, take a breath, and evaluate. <sighs> hiding things is a huge red flag. Don't automatically assume that questions from your spouse are also intended to interrogate you. Sometimes when your spouse starts talking to you and asking you questions, you can get your guard up and think that they're looking for something or that they're trying to just, yeah, interrogate you. They may just be trying to connect and engage with you. So don't automatically assume the worst when your spouse starts talking to you, heaven forbid. Secrets are the ultimate destroyer for trust and intimacy in a marriage. Be transparent. Expect transparency from your partner in return. So comprehension is a huge part. So clear comprehension So learning to communicate your thoughts is equally as important as learning to comprehend communication from your partner. So let me just break this down for you. If one partner in a relationship is amazing at communicating, they have learned their spouse in and out. They know the best ways to connect with them. They have got the steps down. They are great at communicating, but their partner sucks at comprehension. (laughs) The point is pretty much mute. And you get totally frustrated, continuing to attempt to communicate with your partner, no results, no changes. So when your partner is trying to communicate with you, listen to understand, don't listen to reply. Does that make sense? So listen to understand what they need. Don't just immediately jump to reply into action. If you are unclear on what your partner needs from you in response, ask them. Why are we so afraid to ask questions of the person that's supposed to be the closest to us? Maybe say something like, do you want me to listen and provide support or do you want me to listen and provide advice? Not the same thing. Believe me. Sometimes I just need to be heard. I don't always need my husband to offer solutions or criticism on my thoughts or situation. Sometimes just listen and support. I know for me, anytime that I, in the past, I've tried to communicate with my husband or even my dad is the same way. They have a tendency to jump in and want to take action, fix the problem. A lot of men are fixers. I don't always need a 10-step plan to solve my problem. Sometimes I just need to know you're here for me. You're listening. You're here for me. Unplug and check in. So what I mean by this is, you know, today, absolutely everything short of maybe, I don't know, a pap test can be done on your smartphone. To be honest, I'm sure it's not long before there's an app for your yearly pap test. Technology is amazing and it provides us with endless connections to the world. But sometimes we need to check out to check in. So what I mean by this is check out of your technology and check in with your spouse. So when your spouse is trying to communicate with you, put your phone away. Show them that you are 
that you're present, that they are a priority to you. You're in the moment with them. Make them feel like they are the only thing that matters in that moment. It goes a long way in communication. The next thing that I have that I've kind of landed on is safe word. So when you hear that, you may be thinking, where is this podcast going? What is Sabrina talking about here? Is this going to take a turn? It isn't, I promise. (laughs) A few years back, Brandon and I found ourselves in so many pointless arguments that they really just went in circles. Nothing improved. We just kept talking at each other. We just, we weren't seeing eye to eye. It was hard to see each other's perspective. Nothing was getting accomplished. And I just, we couldn't meet in the middle. So together we created what we call a fight safe word. So this is a word that one of us can speak to pause a conversation when we need a timeout. So if you find that you're going in this circle where you just, sometimes this happens with those silly arguments that you start over nitpicky things. This goes into the letting it out, you know, let it go category, picking your battles. Sometimes that's what causes these kinds of fights. So if you hear us, if you're around us and you hear us say pineapple, 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 you know what we've been fighting in circles because pineapple is our word that we use to just pause. It's our pause. We know, okay, if we need to, we can talk about this later. But nine times out of 10, when we pineapple a conversation, it's over. We kind of forget about it. We move on. We don't even bring it back up. We just know that this isn't going anywhere. So there's there's no use in continuing this. Negative Nancy. If your spouse knows that your response to them communicating regularly turns into a pile of negativity, how comfortable do you think they feel with opening up to you regularly? How can you expect open and honest communication with your spouse if they fear being torn down immediately? As partners, you should be building each other up, encouraging each other, not criticizing every move and every word that your partner speaks. You need to be asking the right questions. So this one my husband finds really important. So if you want to connect with your spouse or anyone really, you need to engage in open, honest dialogue by asking open-ended questions. So things that will promote more than one word answers. So if you say to someone, are you okay? And they say, yes, this has not promoted an open dialogue. This isn't trying to connect with someone. It's a one word, something that can be answered with one word. So try and really use open-ended questions that can be answered in a conversation. So location, location, location. Now, this is probably one of the most important things on here. So when you need to communicate with your spouse, you need to choose an appropriate location. So what I mean by this is in my experience, you know, you're getting in bed before you turn off the lights. It's not an appropriate place to have an important discussion. Keep your quarrels, your stress triggers out of the bedroom. The bedroom is a place for intimacy and not a place to do things like, oh, I don't know, discuss your finances or bring up topics that just always rub you the wrong way. Keep your bedroom as a place for intimacy and togetherness. Don't bring your, I like, don't bring your junk and your stress into the bedroom. Okay. That's one thing that in order to keep your marriage strong, you need to find location, location, location. Find the right environment, find a calming place where you can sit down, whether that's your couch, your kitchen table, wherever it is, that you can open up together, that it's not going to just immediately ruin what's going on. Conversations are so important. Just make sure that you 
choose the right location to have them is all I'm saying. Communication is, and it always will be, one of our biggest struggles as humans for some reason. When we're born, we struggle to communicate our needs and wants simply because we don't know how to express them. I mean, in our defense, we have a lack of linguistic skills, so that makes sense. As toddlers, we are learning that we need to use our words and not our screaming to express our thoughts with those around us. Now, you know, those of you that have a toddler know exactly what I'm talking about. There is one volume level. It is so loud. As teenagers, we're pushing boundaries and trying to find the balance between being respectful to adults, communicating our thoughts, finding ourselves. As we move into adulthood, we still struggle to effectively tell people how we really feel. We struggle to tell people what we need purely out of fear of criticism or fear of judgment or maybe even just a fear out of actually getting what we wanted in the first place. We struggle to keep open lines of communication with our spouse and those around us. Our lives get busy. We add kids to the mix. It's just hard. Something that is the premise for so many stages of our journey through life will always be one of our biggest challenges. Commitment to consistent, clear communication with your spouse, it's not easy. But it starts with throwing away the notion that marriage is just a piece of paper. So is money, but you work really hard for that. Marriage takes work, and you can't expect to be amazing at communication overnight. You can't. Committing to working on it together is so important. It takes two to tango. It takes two to have effective communication. You both need to be on the same page. Don't get upset if you find you're falling back into old habits. Pick yourself up. Try again. Reevaluate. Try a new method. Maybe it's time that we stop making so many vague assumptions and start clearly defining our needs, wants, goals to those around us. I want you this week to spend some time focusing on communication with intention and purpose. Stop assuming people know what you need. Spell it out. If you need something, give direction. Give clear, concise action plans for what you need from someone. Ask. Maybe if I did this, my husband might actually meet more of my needs because he knows what they are. (laughs) This has been another Tuesday timeout with your host, Sabrina Irvin. Thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day to tune into Finding Joy in Your Circus. Make sure to check out a brand new mom conversation on Friday. Now go find some joy in your circus.